Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, you are absolutely going to be tapping into a pathway to freedom, choice, and abundance. I had a chat with Dr. Simone Bohr, who is a Dashdot client, but is also a neuroscientist, a PhD neuroscientist, psychologist, um, brain hacker. She is the coach with the rainbow hair and so much more. Not only that, she's an extremely successful property investor. So over a 13-year period from 2008, she managed to build a property portfolio that ultimately delivered her to a state of financial freedom. But now she's pivoted her approach to be able to get financial freedom for her partner as well. She's on that second stage. What we dig into today is a little bit about the property journey, but we also really dig into from a scientific level, how to hack your brain to achieve greater levels of freedom, choice, and abundance, and how you can apply that in your day-to-day life as well. So if you're interested in shaping your mindset in a way that is rooted in science, not woo, that is going to help you to achieve that life of freedom, choice, and abundance, then this is absolutely episode for you. I honestly could have spoken with Simone for hours. It was a great conversation and it was really hitting on two of my favorite topics, which is how to use property to build wealth, but then also how to change your mindset to be able to achieve the life that you want and live a life by design and not by default. So I can't wait for you to, for you to get into this. My only request is that you share this episode with somebody else. We don't do advertising on this show. We don't do anything like that. All we do is we want to serve you to help you to live a better life and to create a life of freedom, choice and abundance. That's what it's all about. And if you want to help somebody else to do that too, all you need to do is share this episode with them or a snippet of this or anything that you like, because that would help us to help more people just like you. Um, So without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. um, And I will see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. I am joined today by a super special guest, Dr. Simone Bohr, the coach with the rainbow hair. Simone, how are you today? I'm really well, thank you, Goose. How are you today? I am effervescent. I am absolutely, I'm I'm a little bit spritzy. I'm a little bit, I've got a bit of a schwitz going on. So yeah, no, life's great. <laughs> What's made you have you a little bit of spritzy going on? Sun shining, life's good. You um just before we jumped on uh, to start recording this podcast, I asked how you were. You basically said something along the lines of, you know, living living your best life, a life that you've designed, and all of that. And I, I, I'm the same. Like I'm like this is this is all, yeah. I, I wake up every day grateful for the life um that 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 I get to live and get to experience, and it is all uh, life I design. I'm super excited to kind of dig into that um, with you as well. So, um. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. I'd love to know, and for the benefit of the listener, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? You said you're the coach with the rainbow hair. What, what's what's your story? Yeah, not a problem. So um, I've you notice that there's a doctor in front of my name, and that's from a PhD in neuroscience. Uh, and I've done ten years of study of psychology and neuroscience, and decided that wasn't for me, went into a bit of a data analytics career, ended Mm -hmm. up in strategy, engagement, catalyzed, well, basically created uh, the engagement to talk to 16,000 people in a region that resulted in a community vision, 180,000 data points, 162 plus workshops. I know you like stats, Goose. Yeah. And uh, that community vision basically is a 30-year 
uh, vision that has regenerated and catalyzed the regeneration of a region. And then what do you do after that? Um, well, I went into an operational role uh, managing pools and gyms, decided I've had enough of corporate life and reworked myself, started out my own business. And really, I'm, uh, I've combined all of my career and I use brain hacks to get you unstuck. That is that is fascinating. That is fascinating. So, can I ask, what was like uh, going back to the community vision? So, you so I want to kind of like I'm interested. Do you, can we dig in there a little bit? So, absolutely. Can, tell me a little bit about that. So, what was the what was the thesis? And then you had to basically run a series of assessments to get the data points right. So then you could use those data points to inform what the future plan would be. Is that kind of absolutely 100% so i was given the project to run which was to create a commu- a 30 year long term community vision and what yep. was happening in the region was a lot of manufacturing was shut the narrative yeah. around the region was very negative Mm -hmm. Uh, And we also had a lot of stakeholders at odds with each other, basically pitching their own view of what it would look like. So it was given to me to try to bring everything together to talk to the community. And this is grassroots community and get them all on board with why a 30-year vision is important. And so during the course of 10 months, I designed a series of workshops, outings, face-to-face with the community. Awesome. I went and met the community. So I went to the far edges of the region, there's townships, the settlements in town where people were shopping everywhere over 10 months and collected 180,000 data points, which was all qualitative words. Went into the data analytics. Unstructured data, we call that, right? Absolutely unstructured data. And they did this, you know, crazy little technique called topic analysis. Yep. (laughs) To actually pull out the key themes of what the community wanted. Awesome. Why they lived where they lived, what they wanted to see within their region. And then this all culminated in basically a community deliberative debate over Mm. four scenarios of what they wanted the region to be, I guess, internationally known and recognised as, and, you know, a whole heap of little voting mechanisms as they debated. Mm. And they ended up saying that they wanted the region to be known as a clever and creative uh, region. And then within, within six months of that vision being endorsed, UNESCO lands and says, we're going to designate you as a city of design. So it was. Hang on a sec. That almost sounds like manifestation. <laughs> like that. That sounds. That sounds like collective manifestation, right? If you can, if you can congeal and coagulate the the collective mind of a region, and then like bang, it's like you know, that's 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 awesome. I'm. What do you? What did that do for the um, sentiment of the local community? Like, how did that? How did that change the region on a? And you've got a. Um, you're a science and psychology background. So how? How did that change the, the the psychology of the area? Because you said at the start, like things were shutting down and blah blah blah, and you know there's probably a negative sentiment about the area. How did things shift? Ah, oh, upwards, absolutely upwards. There's mm. a, there was a spark. Now, how you can tell that there's a spark was in local media. Yeah. And how the local media started to talk about the region. No one had ever heard of clever or creative, or it wasn't even part of the narrative. Yeah. But by having the words clever and creative, it 
it speaks to the heart of people. And so the local media picked it up. The advocacy groups picked it up. Local business picked it up. Local business even formed their own strategies around this vision as well. So it just started to become narrative and is common narrative within the region Mm. and is used from an advocacy piece for essentially funding federal, state, into the region now. That's really fascinating uh, for a couple of things. Number one, the power of a vision, right? So the power of a vision is huge, right? So you, what, if you've got a vision that is strong enough that people can believe in, even people that you weren't directly interacting with, i.e. the business groups, yeah. were then going and going, oh, yep, yep, that's our vision too, and then creating their own strategies around that. The other thing that's really interesting that you said there is the sentiment then permeated into the media and said then what happens is you end up with the self-reinforcing loop. It's a positive feedback loop because then the media are saying good things. Then people are believing good things and then reading good things. And we actually, just as a little kind of side note, because you're obviously into data as well, um, we've actually been building um, uh, algorithms, machine learning and all of that kind of stuff to do sentiment analysis specifically on media of regions. So we can track track the change. Change, we can track the sentiment in a, in a region and also how it's changing over time as an indicator of what that can do for the property market. So that's really interesting. That's fascinating. Well, we need to talk about this later, Goose, because absolutely, I was definitely looking at the sentiment analysis afterwards yeah. through various other tools as well of the region. And it definitely had kicked up as well following the creation of the, of the vision and, mm. you know, all that negative and sentiment had definitely turned upwards to where it is today. Tony, and you know what's really interesting about that is that um, the the single thing that drives property market, obviously I'm coming out from like a property angle, yes. right? Um, the single thing that drives property markets more than anything else is psychographics. It's like it's the way people think and feel about an area. So people talk about things like, oh, it's infrastructure or it's this or it's that or it's the other thing. It's actually about how people perceive the area. Because if you look at places like Bondi and Vaucluse, yeah, the prices keep going up, but I haven't seen a single new infrastructure project or major jobs <laughs> initiative happening around here. You know, no... So it's about what people perceive. And so then perception shapes reality right because absolutely and this is true for every single individual right so so like there is no absolute reality it is all about the perception and if the perception is positive and that's how you get markets to move and do all of this kind of stuff is people like oh my god this is great i'm gonna go there and i'm gonna move there or buy there and invest there or whatever the case may be but but the perception of the individual shapes the actual outcome of the world just in the same way that when that community collectively co-created and and had a shared vision about being creative and clever and all that kind of stuff, boom, UNESCO in there. (laughs) Awesome. Absolutely. That's that's super exciting. That's great. Um, So we're on a really good topic here because we're talking about psychology Brain, brain hacks and also property. So where do you want to go next? I'm interested to know about some of your brain hacks, but I'm also interested to know about like what's your interest in property? Where do you want to go next? Oh, well, let's, well, I, so I live a portfolio career. One of it is brain hacks and one of it is property. And this is just great because I get to merge the two together in this discussion. So this, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is, like this is the same for me. It's the same spot. for me. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. I just love playing in that space. Okay, cool. All right. Let's actually start with property and then we're going to come back to brain hacks. So when did you start getting in, when did you start getting interested in, um, in property investing? 
Uh, back in 2008, my partner and I at Ooh. the time were looking for our first house to buy. And I'd been interested in property, knew that property was a vehicle in order to create wealth of sorts. So yeah. we, were, we went out in our local area looking for a property to buy. And we found. A Do you mind me bedroom. asking what the local area was at the time? Absolutely, it was in Geelong or Lara. Um, oh I, yeah, I, yep. I'm in Lara, and um, we we're looking at a three-bedroom townhouse that was, yep. you know, five years old. And then we came across a property that was a 12-square um, little little house on a 650-square-metre block. And I and mm. I said straight away, "There's more value in the land than the little townhouse." And so we essentially purchased that lived in it, renovated it, and decided we'd go out and subdivide because that's what you can do. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I looked at I looked at the driveway and went, I think I can put a house on the back there. Awesome. So, searched all the searched all the builders around in the area, found one that was willing to work with us and to basically manage the subdivision process, build. And we did that and we went, well that's quite easy. Let's we basically got a piece of land or a house for free. Let's go and replicate that model over mm. and over again. Wow, that's awesome! And then what happened from there? Like you just going like how, like we don't need to go every. Like, I'm yeah. interested though. Like you said, you went and do it again. You went and just started doing it again. How many times did you do that? Did you start to try and work out how to invest outside your own backyard? How did that work? So what happened then? We then purchased another property because we thought, well, two lots is easy. Let's go for three. <laughs> Yeah, a lot more difficult to do a three-lot subdivision than a two-lot mm. subdivision. Why? So, well, there's a there's a lot more council fees. We ended up having to do a sewer main extension. Uh, we had to put in some additional uh, sewer outlets and drainage outlets, and it was just a lot more difficult because we thought we knew what we were doing. We'd already done one successfully. Uh, building market had changed and had increased their prices. So we thought, well, we can do it all ourselves. We can manage ourselves. We know what we're doing. And uh, whereas it was 18 months for the first the first piece of work we did, the second piece of work took about four years for us to do. And we ended up selling off one of the pieces of land in order to afford building the second lot onto that three lot subdivision mm. and we went hmm, we've got some really good learnings there that's a long time so we then did again <laughs> but this time we just did two lot subdivision and found a builder who was willing to oversee the subdivision process again so we awesome. basically did this cookie cutter approach and then along the way we did a few house purchases renos in that mm. and ended up for about four or five years having seven investment properties. Yep. Um, high capital increase because the value we had created was through the subdivisions yep. and the uh, actual build. So we got to basically 2021. Uh, start of 2021, we kept everything throughout the pandemic or the start of the pandemic. And we went, let's start selling a few off because what's happened in the region is that the property prices had increased quite substantially. Yeah. Um, and through that, we paid off the ha house that we're currently in. Mm. And I just went, hmm, you know what? I don't necessarily have to work now. <laughs> it's awesome. And I went, I can actually retire and just live off the 
basically by that stage we had our principal place of residence paid off and four properties that were rent bringing in a reasonable rental and yep. what what was really interesting at that time goose was hmm. um in between when i said i'm finishing work and in between I, when i finish work i'm going to do a little bit of cosmetic renos to sell off two of our properties so we end up down to four at that stage mm-hmm. the property market had moved and it had increased in that time and mm. this is this wonderful goldilocks zone that you talk about yeah <laughs> and we had literally made 80 to 100k on the two properties we were planning to sell outright mm. awesome <laughs> in that time and so what my partner said is i was retiring i want you to now focus on maximizing what we're doing with properties. Awesome. Loving it. Love it. Can I just, can I, that's pretty, yeah. so, okay. So 2008 to 2021, and you basically hit financial freedom in 2021, right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So that's uh, 13 years. Yes. That's not bad going. Now I'd like to pick up on something else, right? In 2008, that was the start of the GFC. Yes. So that was a time when people were saying, oh, my God, the world's ending. And that was when you were just getting started. Yeah. Talk to, talk to me about your mindset during that period of time. Why is it that you were one of the ones that said, no, now's the time to go when a lot of other people were saying, no, now's the time to stop? Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because I was in laboratory science at that time and the funding, we got 40% of our funding cut and that was the US mm. funding for the laboratory. So literally the world was ending <laughs> in mm. ways. And that was when I first made my p- first pivot of my career at that time as well. Yeah. And for me, it was about us buying our PPR. So it was us yeah. about us buying something because we were ready and we were financially ready to mm. carry anything that came our way from the GFC. Mm-hmm. just from a property sense uh, in living in our own home. But yeah. we thought we can make something out of this at the same time. And that's kind of how we, how we went, which was to create the value through the renovation yeah. and then to create the additional value or the income stream through the subdivision. Yeah, got it. Do you remember what the interest rates were when you started? Yeah, it was, it was about 8.9% at the time. <laughs> So, what is your view on interest rates now? <laughs> they, they are ridiculous now. They are too low. <laughs> yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Um, so, I know that we talk about uh, in terms of, oh, you know, a 3% interest rate or, you know, ca- or cash rate. Um, mm. But, you know, we have been able to carry the eight, 8.9% as well. So, it, I don't think it will go up as high as that. But, you, but even got, if it did, yeah, because property prices, you got to remember, were going up pretty pretty highly they around were. that time. Right? So, yeah, that's pretty interesting. So, okay, so your strategy from 2008 to 2021 was to buy manufacturer equity, buy manufacturer equity, buy manufacturer equity. What were the kind of yields you were getting? Like, was like, was yeah. it, were they self sustaining? Were they negatively geared? What was the kind of where did they land? Well, because they were, we created the value from the capital. Um, yeah. They were self. They were all self-sustaining. Mm. Um, so the yields we were getting, or the yields that we're currently getting now, sits between the three point seven to the four point 
0.1%. The two that we sold off last year were at 34 and 3.8% of current yeah. market. Um, and actually, there's an, another interesting story too. My partner and I went out like Easter last year, just as I was finishing up. Mm-hmm. We went out to buy socks and we came back with three house and land packages. <laughs> <laughs> How'd that happen? So I'd been researching the various areas for a little bit of time and mm. I said, let's just go out whilst we bought our socks and let's just go out and check out some property because we were getting itchy feet almost. We'd yeah. done our work, we you know, set set ourselves up. And so we went to the house and land package office and I'd already done all the sums. I said, okay, well, we'll do one. And my partner goes, let's do three. Uh, if the sums make if if the numbers make sense, let's just do three. So we've literally gone and done three. <laughs> nice, nice. And how did they pan out? Did they end so, up being good? Sorry, they have gone up um, basically thirty five percent in growth nice. since. In how long? East- uh, we're sitting in about 14 months now. The land nice. itself hasn't titled yet. The land will title um, towards the end of the year, but we've made 35% on each of those uh, in between now, and all we've got is a deposit sitting on them for the last year. That's awesome. That's so good. That is so good. And so how how then has – so a couple of things, right? So you from in 13 years, from 2008 to 2001 – the, the thesis or the strategy was to manufacture equity. And then if I'm hearing you correctly, you use that equity to be able to manage your LVRs yes. such, such that the cash flow would be able to self-support the assets so you weren't in a cash flow negative position. Absolutely, 100%. That was, that was our investment strategy at the time. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Okay, so relatively low debt per property, so to make sure your expenses weren't too high, and you would be able to do that by by the equity that you'd been creating to manage your else. Cool. Yeah. All right, awesome. That's perfect. That's great. Um, then you've hit financial freedom effectively in 2021. And yep. when did you? You've got your own business, right? Yes. When did you Correct. start your business? I started my business uh, in August just last year, so I've only been going for about eight or nine months now. Yeah. So after you hit that kind of point, like, so you managed to quit the job, right? I'm financially free. And now you get to do what you want, right? Correct. (laughs) How good. How good. How good. And so um, obviously we've bought it. We've bought a couple of properties together. You've been working with Dash. So I'm interested to know how has your investment strategy changed, right? Yes. And um, talk to me about your experience working with Dash. The kind of properties you got there. Absolutely. So, what has happened since our time, since what I call it lucky in some ways, time yeah. whereby we were very fortunate to see this gap in the market around subdivisions back in 2008 to 2016, 17. Yeah. And what had happened is that the market had gotten a bit more savvier. And we had found that our previous, I guess, strategy around creating that equity wasn't as easy to create through subdivisions because essentially the properties that were coming on the market were coming on the market at the subdividable uh, yeah, selling price. All the value is being priced in, right? All the value is being Absolutely. priced in. Absolutely. The yeah. value was priced in from that perspective. So I went, well, why would you subdivide? So we had to change the way that we worked, which is part of the reason mm. why we went for the house and land packages to mm-hmm. create that equity. And then I went, I've got time on my hands. I'm, I'm retired now. 
let's start looking interstate. And I had mm. a mate of mine who said, you can get a lot more looking interstate. So I literally started to research because I've got all the data background. I went, I can do this, not a problem. At yep. the same time, I saw one of those fabulous little ads that you have, Goose, on Facebook. I listened to it. I went, that is exactly what our investment strategy has been to date. But you just really um, named it in such a way that I went, well, mm. I already aligned to that. But I went, you know what? I can do this myself. I, I know a bit about property. Yep. So I spent about two months researching the interstate market the different areas, but because I'd already seen what had happened based on all of our properties and seen this beautiful Goldilocks zone that happens every few years based on what we had experienced and literally had experienced in 2021 as well, Mm -hmm. knowing that the price of a property can increase, you know, you know, anywhere from uh, five to 15% in basically a couple of months or even more, um, I went, how on earth can I find those indicators right at that beautiful sweet spot? And so I went, and after a couple of months of me researching, going, I think I can do this all myself. The other thing is as well that really interested me about Dashdot was that you had the connections to all the regions. So over this period of 10 years of investing, we had built a hugely strong network of who was good to work with and who wasn't but that was in our local region and so for me I sat there and went okay stop being so pig-headed Simone go and just sign up with these guys and see what will happen so literally I signed up with two properties to purchase and what can I say of course I asked about the data I needed to see what this, with this magical, you know, 122 indicators or however many you're up to now <laughs> around the region, because I was sitting there going, I, I need to see all this. Yep. Uh, my partner was also very skeptical as well, because we have had some experience <laughs> in all of this. Of course, yeah. And so we got into the, a bit of the back end to actually just look at some of the regions. And I went, hmm, okay, this is all checking out. What you're saying is, is actually checking out. (laughs) And so we went, well, what have we got to lose? So we purchased our first property in Townsville, August 2021. And in between that to now, it has gone up 4% in terms of the um, house house increase in price. Growth. Growth, yep. And we've ended up with something like a nine point four percent yield. I actually, I actually have a recent valuation on that property, oh. and it's actually gone. It's actually gone up a little bit more than four percent. Oh, it's, act- oh. <laughs> it's actually gone up nine point nine percent in that amount of time. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's had nine point nine percent capital growth. We got a valuation done uh, last month. If you haven't received that, by the sound of it, I'm going to make sure we get that sent to you straight after, straight after this, because you should have that too. Um, but that's actually gone up. Yeah. Not it's grown nine point nine percent in the last seven months on a nine point five percent gross yield. Yeah. Yeah. So the property that I swapped out, basically swapped out that I'd sold, was only doing a yield of three point four percent. So we sat there and looked at that and went the numbers stack up. This is amazing. What are you guys going to give us next? (laughs) (laughs) And then? And then um, it took, we had a few false starts for the next property um, because literally the areas that we were looking at had just, Mm. were were moving, the markets were moving incredibly quickly. Mm. And we either 
missed out, we basically missed out on those those properties. And that was one of the really fantastic philosophies of Dashdot, which is we don't pay over market. So we pay below market rate or market rate. So that once again gave me additional confidence in Dashdot. Yeah. So it took a few false starts, but I, w- I didn't care because I wasn't doing the work. You guys were doing the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we ended up purchasing in Western Australia. And what was just amazing, we purchased the property for 350000 at the time mm-hmm. and uh, ended up between contract and settlement basically making 60000 60, on the sell price in that time. So we're looking at that going, you've just come in at that beautiful sweet spot. And then the yield, I think we're getting a 6.8% yield or something like that on that property through yep. a company contract. And this is the first time I'd ever embarked on a company contract. And I went, this is amazing. So literally looking at the rest of our properties that we have at the moment, who are, I guess, we've got a high uh, capital we've made on them. We've looked at the numbers. We've gone, we're going to sell some of these and convert them straight into what you guys are doing. That's awesome. That is that is so good. I can. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, because looking at the one in um, that you bought in WA, which you bought in Eton in yes. WA, which I personally love. We bought one in there. Bought a property in the suburb, suburb right next door in Australind. Um, yeah, that's grown by sixteen point three percent in there just in that time since the since since you bought it, which is which is awesome. Um, that's. That's that's great, right? And what I love about this is you've already had success, and now you've actually found a different a different way to achieve achieve you know achieve even bigger goals. So, what are your goals now? Like you've you've kind of like you kind of like passed that hurdle that most people aim for, and now you're now you're able to do what you want when you want with who you want all of all of the good stuff. So now, like on the property front, but also the personal front, life goals. Like where what's what what are you what are you trying to achieve? Yeah. So um, I've whilst I've been able to do that for myself my partner still has to work for the man. Ah, got it. (laughs) So the aim is to get us completely financially free so that he can also do the same as me and create that freedom that I now have. So that's first and foremost. And that we believe is through property to to enable us to do that. And it's really having that mindset to go, we can do it. And yeah. so from from our goals perspective, absolutely that. But then it's really we can then choose to live the life that we we want to, which of course, you know, most people, you know, as you say, freedom, choice, and abundance. Yeah. Or as I say, live your best life. Yeah, what's really interesting about your approach, right? And it's approach an approach generally that I actually uh, really advocate because I have a lot of people asking me, and for example, I've met with some clients recently who have managed to buy whatever, anywhere between four and six properties in sort of 18 months working with this. And then they're sort of going, oh, well, hang on a second. What do, I, what, what, what do I do now? Like, And it's basically like, just keep doing that because you, you effectively scaled your portfolio up to seven properties, right? So you built a huge capital base, right? And now you're able to convert that capital base into more cash flow. And you can do that by buying properties with good yields and also by managing the debt levels on those properties to maximize the cash flow you're getting from it. So then you've got a pure income replacement play. And I had, I had one of our clients recently who's um, he's, got, he's bought five properties in just under, just under 18 months. 
And he's his goal was, you know, a certain cash flow goal so that he could, you know, kick back and do nothing. And I said, Well, if you just if you literally just like double that, if we just do that again, <laughs> right? And then do nothing for a couple of years, then you're gonna have that, you will have achieved that kind of critical mass to now be able to convert that into cash flow. So I think the approach that you've done there, scale, consolidate, right, reinvest reap the rewards, I reckon you guys, you both got to be able to um, kick back anytime soon. I reckon I think it's going to be awesome. That, that's absolutely the aim. And literally, you have to change your – and what we've learned through this process is you have to change your investment strategy, firstly, for where you are in life, and yep. secondly, what the market conditions are as well. So we, as much as we were um, about creating the capital and then that capital will reduce our LVR and all of that and keep the small loans, that wasn't possible in the market that we were looking at. So mm. we went, well, what, is it, what does a different investment strategy look like? And before we invested with Dashdot, I had been researching for probably about six months in total um, and yep. – and what we found from Dashdot was that you created a new investment pathway and strategy that I couldn't necessarily do all by myself, even though I was so experienced in this property investment game. Yeah. And it's interesting as well, because as you mentioned, you've got some properties, which ostensibly great performing properties, but they're still, you know, they're in the threes in terms of yields and yeah. stuff like that. And realistically, to create what you want, you're gonna like you can you can do way better. You could double the amount of cash flow you get out of the properties just by buying triple. something else. <laughs> triple, the, yeah, exactly. Triple, right? So you're in the nines, right? So so it makes a it makes a massive it makes a massive difference. Um I want to uh, start asking about some of the um brain hack stuff, but yeah. just quickly before I do, is there like is there any advice you would give to someone because you're an experienced investor who's then come and work with us? Is if you got any advice for someone who's who would who's thinking about getting started but maybe is a little bit like oh, I'm not really sure is this the kind of thing I should do? What do you think? Absolutely. So, first of all, you have to think you can do it. <laughs> and this comes back to part of that mindset that mm. you have to want it. So you have to know what it is that you want and why you're doing it. And yeah. we had always done it to create ourselves, to enable a better life for ourselves. So that was part of the reason why. So it's about having the mindset that it's doable, it's achievable, and it's achievable at whatever stage within your life. And then secondly, get the help. Now, we were lucky at the start that we found a builder who was willing to oversee the subdivision process mm. for us. And once we worked that out through trial and error, we found another builder willing to do it on our third time round. So in terms of thinking about it now, it's about getting that help. And I guess in terms of customer experience from Dashdot, wow, you guys have blown me away. To purchase interstate has been some of the most easiest buys <laughs> I've ever had because you guys just package it just so beautifully with all of the data, all of the insights, all of um, the projections of where where it is now, where you think it can and can be. And those two properties we've purchased have outperformed all of those projections. And what you do project is actually quite conservative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We try and be conservative in the projections because if it works on a conservative basis, then good you know absolutely so from my perspective is get buy, buy in the assistance mm. so you can either trial and error on your own and you may 
may hit it well or you may not, or you buy in that expertise to expedite where you want to go as long as you know where you want to go and why you want to get there. Yeah, that's awesome. I would just say as well that it's almost too easy because I've actually gone through the process now as a client. Like we bought a couple of properties. I'm like, yeah, great. Well, let's do the whole thing. I've to the to the degree that I've almost forgotten that we're even buying properties. And I'm like, you know, like I'm like, oh, hang on a second, what's going on over here? You sort of anyway. So let's talk about let's talk about brain hacks, right? So when you when you say brain hacks, what do you mean? Yes. Okay. So we take a step back from this. Okay. Yeah. And What I want to say is that our brains are incredibly lazy. They are lazy, lazy beings. And part of the reason for it is, is that for every single decision we make, we use glucose. And it Mm. doesn't matter whether it's a small decision or a big decision. We will still use the same amount of glucose in every single decision. So what happens is, is that our brain tries to avoid decision-making which is really what where habits come into, into place. So what happens in this, before I get to the brain hacks, is we may think that we consciously make decisions throughout our everyday, our life. However, something like 95 to 98% of our decisions is actually made subconsciously and mm. unconsciously. So how we actually make those decisions is based on how we subconsciously and unconsciously view the world. And what is amazing is researchers have found over 188 shortcuts that our brain makes around how we view the world. Mm. So, so a brain hack is essentially a, a technique or activity or insight that breaks any one of those 188 shortcuts that our brain has made around how we view the world and how we make decisions subconsciously and unconsciously. This is so good. This is so good. I I absolutely love this stuff because what you're effectively saying is that the the brain is a platform, right? And most of the decisions we make, say 95 to 98% of the decisions we make are subconscious purely based on our um, pro- pre-programmed worldview, right? Yes. Whatever that may be. And yep. that could be that uh, my pre-programmed worldview is that everyone's out to get me, right? Yep. And I, or, my, or my pre-programmed worldview is that I will never be successful. Or my pre-programmed worldview is that money is evil, right? Or any of these things, right? So you have all these kind of, or my pre-programmed worldview is, you know, is is that I must support a certain football team or whatever, right? So you make all these kind of, this is all in there and they're grooves, but, and, and because of that, like those grooves get put in there like a record and you just keep playing those and it's like decisions get made based on that pre-recorded loop of like, this is my worldview. This is my worldview. Great. So tell me about what it like. Give me an example of I've, I, I'm pretty sure I'm, I understand that, that some of the hacks, but tell me some of the hacks that you can do to start to reprogram that yeah. worldview. So one of them is just a simple question. And, mm. and it's the right question at the right time when you're ready to, ready to listen to it. So one of those pre programs you could have could be. I need to work for my money, mm. right? And a really simple question is you can ask yourself, 
Is that true? I love it. I love it. And that's one of my favorite questions that I ask. So anytime that I think I'm running one of those pre-programs, I ask myself, is that true? Yeah. <laughs> and it's enough to break that and start to create, I guess, a, discon- uh, a, a dissonance in your mind to go, maybe, maybe not. And then obviously you go down going, where did that come from? Mm. <laughs> and often all of these pre-programs get formed between the ages of zero and seven years old. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. When we're young. So that that's an example of one. Another one whereby you can actually tap into what you're unconsciously thinking is a simple visualization technique. And yep. that's just a guided meditation, which basically drops um, your brain waves and opens up the door to your subconscious. And your subconscious can only speak to us really in visual visuals doesn't speak to us in words yeah so a visualization technique can actually get to the root of a lot of your decision making for you to then question it yeah yeah that's really that's really interesting right because people don't think about that they think about they think about their brain as being um uh or their thoughts as kind of being structured kind of almost textual but then if, if you actually think about it right if you actually really pay attention None of the thoughts you have are words. All of the thoughts that you have are internal visualizations or feelings. Yes. And it's quite funny because sometimes I'll talk to I'll talk to Gabby or she'll talk to me and she'll ask me something because I'm quite a I'm quite a, a visual thinker. I will my she laughs because my whole face shuts down. It's almost like a robot and someone's just turned off the power. I'll be like, bah, 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 and I'll just be like just staring into the abyss because in my mind it's like whoo, this whole tapestry of things going on. Then I'll be like, right, I'm back, and then I'll explain. <laughs> so it's really funny. So, um, so how can you how can you talk to me about the visualizations? How can you shift that? Well, so it depends on what you're focusing on. So one of the visualizations I made up last week was around trying to understand your mask Mm. and what mask you're presenting to the world. Mm. And literally in that visualization, it was imagine yourself at your very best, what you look like, and then take that mask off. And the visualization that comes out of that Mm. is actually more so your true inner self. Interesting. Um, Or another visualization I have is, work out what it is that's holding you stuck or making Mm. you stuck and then visualize whatever comes up to whatever time point or experience that was the cause of that stuckness. And when you look at that in, in a meditation perspective, Mm. you start to start, you start to visualize things that you may not have noticed to create once again, that dissonance of, hang on, what I viewed or my perception of, you know, that event that eventually made me stuck may or may not be true. Mm. And as soon as you have a bit of that in your mind, it starts to change really subconsciously, therefore consciously, your decision-making. Yeah, absolutely. Are you familiar with with, um, the work of Byron Katie? No. Okay, so Byron Katie, you you definitely got to check out her stuff. Um, she's got a book called uh, The Work or a process which she yes. calls The Work, and I think that you'd yes. be into it, right? And it's basically four questions, just four, only four questions. And the questions are, number one, is it true? Yes. The second question is, 
can you absolutely know that it is true? Right? Can you absolutely know that it is true? Right? Alan, check yourself there. The third question is, how do you react when you believe that thought? Yes. And the fourth question is, who would you be without the thought? Oh, <laughs> boom! Right, <laughs> and if you like, any time that you like, you need to go through a reprogramming. It's like, all right, I, I believe that this person's trying to, you know, they're bloody trying to do something, or I've got to. It's like, well, is it true? And how could you know that it is true? And and how do you how do you react when you when you believe it? And who would you be without that thought? And it's yeah. completely <laughs> reprograms, right? A hundred percent. But I'm I'm I've got another little tool, like which is like awesome. Is what you're seeing. Is that real? Yeah. And then is what you're feeling, is that constructive or destructive? Yeah, that's is a good one. Is what you're thinking, is that fixed or is it flexible? And then, you know, are your actions or what you're doing, are they working or not working? Mm. And bam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most people don't stop to ask that, do they? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, I think the, um, is it, is it real? Uh, that that question is a very interesting one, right? Because yeah. on a on a quantum level, none of it's real, right? Correct. <laughs> like on a scientific quantum level, like the uh, experience that you are having is completely and utterly, absolutely only real to you because it is 100% made of your perception because at the end of the day, we're all just atoms and neurons and shit floating around and there's really no differentiation between me and a table, right? So everything then is just made up by the perception of your mind. So that actually means that none of it is real, but it also <laughs> it also simultaneously means that it can be whatever you decide. A hundred percent. And that then once again shows the the power of having a vision or yeah. a goal you decide it you can create it so i'm interested from like a because you've got a phd in neuroscience yeah yeah right cool and you did 10 years of psychology and neuroscience yeah. together and so, yes and so yeah yeah so from a scientific perspective like what's your view on manifestation then right because i know it gets a bit of a kind of like a woo woo hippies you know burning some sage and stuff like that but like from on the on like from a scientific perspective if your if your thoughts shape your reality mm. then what's your view on that a hundred percent so people yeah people see manifestation as literally that woo woo but if mm. your thoughts shape your reality what does that actually mean for how you start to interact with the world how you interact with people how you how you see yourself so mm. if you start to get yourself or your head into gear as to going well actually my reality is really the manifestation of my thoughts and you start to talk to people differently interact with people differently have different relationships interact with the world very differently mm. that then sets basically a domino effect moving forward but you have to actually well what i call know yourself mm. and you have to have that deep searching within yourself to know who you are what you want and then to be not scared of it because <laughs> a lot of people are actually scared of their true self as well mm. because we have so much conditioning in society around who we should be what we should want and how and, and it literally is those pre-programmed narratives in our mind like a record player 
that if we mm. can break those apart, we can actually do anything. How do you get over that fear? Because that's a big one. That is a big one for people. Because one thing to want to think, one thing to take off the mask, right? <laughs> it's another thing to not get scared and put the mask back on. Absolutely. Um, and that's why you hire someone like me, a coach, to help you get over. But it's about not being afraid and actually standing in, you know, your own self as your own voice mm. and plucking up the confidence and the courage to actually go, well, this is me now. Mm. So I'm interested. I mean, yeah, I love that. I'm interested how these, how some of these kind of, um, some of this thinking, some yeah. of these brain hacks, some of these, you know, this per- perception has shaped specifically your property journey. Absolutely. So, you know, as, 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 it, as it's a well-run record on this program, everyone starts out with, um, who, who is interested in property, starts out with, let's get the 10 properties. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 10 properties in 10 years and 100 grand passive income. That's being- exactly. Yep, yep, being done. <laughs> yeah. And so one of the things is um, when I was in my early 20s, um, I was very much what you would call a saver. <laughs> I just saved. I didn't spend anything. And one of um, my exes at the time said, you'll never get into property <laughs> because you can't handle the mortgage or the what, what what would be seen as mortgage. And I sat there and I went, and, and you have to be open to these messages that come your way from people mm. and or the, the environment. And I sat there and I went, I'm going to unpick that. Mm. And so I started to unpick that and started to research it more. And I went, why am I like that? And once again, mm. those formative years, zero to seven, form so much of how we see and how we view our life and the more I started to unpick that and go is that real is that true I went hang on a second this is a wealth vehicle this can Mm. be a vehicle to wealth and actually what does that look like and I always said I'd retire by 40 I did it (laughs) I you know I I trotted into my uh, previous workplace at you know early 30s and said I won't be around for too long because I'll be retired by 40. Nice. Now I'd forgotten that I'd said that at that time but when I said to everyone all right I'm off I'm sailing off into the sunset they said yeah we already know that <laughs> because they remembered that bold audacious statement the yeah. five to six years beforehand and so really when you think about your mindset and how to sort of unpick some of that from a property journey as such it's about having the belief that that's the right vehicle for you if it is Mm. and then going well i can actually do it and and you and you know as as you said something like 70 percent only ever purchased one property yeah have they had the right mindset do they know what they're doing have they actually gone about it the right way in terms of doing that or not yeah. Or have yeah, they just followed the crowd, the mum and dad crowd? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's well, that's actually, you know, that's typically what happens, right? You know, like, yeah, 71% get stuck at one property and 19% make it to two. But you need to get to five plus in order to be able to get to where you want to get to and where most people want to get to, to be able to tick that box, right? So, yeah. no, that's um, that's really that's really uh, insightful and really, really valuable. Um, what, do you, what do you want to be remembered for? 
uh, <laughs> a person who has not necessarily lived the norm and a person mm. who's lived their best life defined by their own terms. And really, if you think about it, you know, at your funeral, I want to have people who go, holy crap, she changed my life. Awesome. I love that. I love that. Live a life by design and, and, <laughs> and, and live a life differently. That's awesome. Sweet. Okay. So imagine it's your last, this is our final question. It's our final question, right? So imagine it's your last day on earth, many, many, many years from now, and you've accomplished everything that you set out to do, right? You've lived an abnormal life. You've changed the world of the people around you, all of that good stuff. You've done everything. You've got everything. You've everything. You've ticked all the, all the boxes, right? But for whatever reason, on the, the day that you pass, everything that you've ever created or ever had or ever achieved is going to be wiped from the face of the earth. No record, no record that you've ever been here. But you get to leave behind three simple truths yeah. that'll live on forever in your absence. What three truths would you leave with the world? This is one of my favourite questions in the world. <laughs> so the first one, which really sums up this discussion, is live your best life. Mm. And if you think about it, you are the captain of your own ship. Many people are passengers within their own ship and you're the captain. So it's only up to you to live your best life. The second one is really around encouraging each other mm. because I think um, there's not enough of that around us. Yeah. And I think if we encourage each other and in a way to live their best life, the world will be a very different place. And then the third one is to create a better world. Mm. Um, and leave the world in a better place because I think we haven't had enough focus around that, well, creation, but yep. also what a better world actually looks like. Awesome. I love that. I think that they are, that's awesome because that is self, others, and the planet. It all caps yeah. all caps all caps fit in there. That's awesome. That's so good. So um you mentioned that um just a moment ago, you actually mentioned that you know you actually coach and help people to kind of get through some of this kind of stuff. If people wanted to reach out and find you or wanted to explore like uh or get get in touch with you, how could they do that? Or is there any way they could go? Easy. So LinkedIn, um career transition or look up Dr. Simone Bohr. Facebook, you can look me up, as well as you can just send me an, inf uh, an email to info at afreshapproach.com.au. Love it. Awesome. Well, Dr. Simone, it has been awesome having you on the show. I reckon we could probably do it again and just purely dig into some of this uh, kind of more metaphysical neuroscientific mindset stuff. I absolutely love it. It's a great space to play in. And I've really enjoyed hearing about your property journey and specifically like how um, you're shifting your approach to achieve what you want, but it's all been, it's all beneath it all is about oh, but making sure that you're telling the right stories to yourself. So it's been so good to have you on the show. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Fabulous. Thank you, Goose. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome. I'll speak to you soon. Great.